Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Your Health is Your Choice, right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest is Dr. Sal Giorgiani. Oh, we're going to be talking about men's health this year, this week. It actually, June is Men's Health Month, but every month is men's health. And we know that men can be rather reluctant in admitting something's wrong or going to a doctor or paying really attention to their health in general. So he's, uh, he's here to kind of put us straight and, and talk about how to advise men um, and really kind of help them encourage the boys and the men to take charge of their own overall health by making them healthier lifestyles and wellness choices. It's the year where the country is slowly beginning to recover from the COVID. And it's crucial that men keep up a healthy regime by getting regular checkups, ensuring that the health care choices um, account for the risks associated with their age, ethnicity, family history, and lifestyle. We can't ignore it. We can't bury our head in the sand. Uh, Dr. Sal is, um, has the Men's Health Network. He's advisor to it, senior size, uh, science advisor, and uh, past chair Emetrius of the American Public Health Association and former alumni associate board member of the Columbia University School of Public Health. In other words, he does know what he's talking about and his specialty is men and um, all the parts that it plays in it that, you know, I, I have a son and um, I was married and I know how difficult it was whenever you wanted them to kind of just either get the checkup or, you know, should you be eating that or, you know, do your stress is going to really wear you down. And yeah, 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 is the general <laughs> consensus that you get on it. Uh, welcome to the show. And then here's a loaded question for you. How do we get them to pay attention to their health? Well, like so many things, well, first I should say thank you for having me on. My and pleasure. that introduction was absolutely splendid oh, it really encapsulates a lot of the key messages that men's health network and i like to give when we when we talk about the health of boys and men and the wellness of boys and men so that's your question sarah how do you get guys to pay attention well you know like so many other things in life it can come at you from lots of directions do this do that you really should be cognizant of this it's important but really it's something that has to be learned from early on in young boyhood, uh, young manhood, which unfortunately isn't, we can talk a little bit about that later and how we acculturate men to not think about health. Uh, and then when you get a little bit older on and you're setting your ways with the guys, you know, in their mid teens when we have five kids, three wonderful boys, but boy, oh boy, I didn't, didn't know anything after they've turned 12. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, now when they're in their thirties and forties, I know a little bit more, but when you get to a certain age, it has to come internally. So yes. I think what women in their lives, their guy friends who are health conscious uh, have to do is help them come to the realization that as women noted decades ago, and I always tell the guys to take a page out of the women's health playbook, which is you're responsible for your own health. 
if you don't take care of you, don't get upset when things happen to you because really you are responsible for you. So that's one of the most important things. And unfortunately, I hear many stories about guys getting turned off because their doctor says it or their spouse says it or their daughter says it or their uncle says it or their grand. But no, and that you have to keep up reminding guys. We have to keep up talking about this and wearing blue, which during Men's Health Month, we, we wear blue on the Friday before Father's Day uh, to remind ourselves of men. Uh, men's Health Month is coming or Men's Health Day is coming. Uh, but you have to have that constant conversation. And eventually, uh, as with so many things, the smart guys see the signposts like those Barbasol, the, uh, uh, the shave cream, Verma cream, they used to have the signposts along the way of the road till you finally got the Verma shave here. We see the signposts and eventually most guys get it. And I hope that they get it before they're in the seventies or eighties. I actually hope they get it, you know, before they hit those late thirties, forties, because my dad died at 45 through heart disease. And, and a lot of that was brought about by the war you know, post-traumatic stress, working with a brother he didn't like, you know, kind of being in a marriage that really maybe they weren't that well suited. And it was drink it, drink the worries away and uh, just hold that stress down because especially being British, right? We, you know, we don't air our dirty laundry out in public. And so it was not talked about. It was suck it up. And that sucking up can lead to so many disease and dysfunctions in the body and things start breaking down. And next thing you know, it's either a heart attack or high blood pressure or diabetes or this or that. And it's like, well, where did that come from? <laughs> it's been there all the time. You just didn't pay attention. <laughs> right, like those Burma shave signs, they were always there. You just mm. didn't notice them. The yes. audience, uh, they may not be a relevant uh, analogy, but you know, the signposts along the way yes. that direct you to where you should go. Many times we miss them until we're just before the exit. We have to get off at. Yeah. But, you know, you, you bring up a good point. The interlocking uh, tendencies towards mental health and stress and physical health and physical stress. Uh, most everybody who studies these sorts of things absolutely agrees that your mental outlook uh, and the stress you have in your life for myriad of reasons can be very self-destructive if you look for you know, easy ways out or it can be very self-destructive if you don't manage it properly. And they can result in, as you rightfully pointed out, many of the physiologic problems that cause men to die younger and live sicker than do women. Uh, now, I don't know the numbers for Canada, but in the United States, uh, men on average live 5.1 years shorter than do women. And out of the nine lead, uh, sorry, the 10 leading causes of death uh, in the US, men lead in nine of them. So I don't think that the numbers will be very far off in Canada, uh, but I do believe that, you know, we, we really need to understand that the physical and the mental stresses that are on guys that they don't offload, that they don't manage, uh, that they don't seek help for, uh, can really be killers. Yes. Um, you know, you, you said about you know, that we have to be responsible for our health. And this is why this show is called Your Health is Your Choice, because it is. And there are, there are so many mediums out there today uh, to a healthy lifestyle. 
And, you know, we've got to kind of look at it again. Okay, you know, if I'm not feeling well, what am I going to do about it? Uh, don't say, well, I don't know what you know what to do. <laughs> There's this thing called the internet with stacks of information. There's also this thing called podcasts with many wonderful doctors like yourself sharing the information. It's there, but it seems to be kind of this macho thing that if I admit that I'm feeling fatigued or admit that I'm feeling stressed or admit that I've got a bit of a pain in my chest, but no, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter. I'll have another burger and beer. You know, it, it is a, it's a macho thing and it's really... Uh, I don't know how we get rid of that. I don't know how we kind of say no. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say from a woman's point of view, it's a stupid thing. <laughs> because, you know, you're hurting, do something about it. But that ball doesn't always go back in their own court, does it? No, it doesn't. Uh, you know, stigma of a health problem mm. is a very big deal for men, particularly men of color, uh, where, and, and a lot of it is, uh, I mentioned earlier on acculturation, uh, the anti-health acculturation that exists. When you look at the media, yeah. uh, when you look at uh, print media, broadcast media, uh, and when you read stories, uh, health is not part of the no. classic view of masculinity. Uh, so we have to persuade the younger guys coming up that health is part of modern masculinity. That mm. taking care of yourself uh, is important that expressing uh, that you do have physical pain uh, early on and, and getting it taken care of. We can talk a little bit about that if you like, Sarah. Mm -hmm. uh, but also emotional pain. You know, yes, guys have yes. an emotional lexicon, but we don't express our emotional hurt and yeah. pain the way women do, young girls and women. We tend to be more physical in our outward uh, portrayals of emotional hurt. We withdraw, we blame people. We sometimes Step into anger. Mm -hmm. angry very often. Uh, we stop doing the things that we used to love to do because we are emotionally distraught. Uh, we sometimes want uh, the friends who are trying to help us. We toss anger back at them rather than thank you for noticing. Caring. And that's almost dichotomously opposite of the way women express mm -hmm. uh, their emotional hurt. So all of those out there listening that have a, a guy that they love uh, or a person, a guy that they care about, you have to be able to be receptive when, you, when you're seeing a guy in emotional hurt, how they're expressing it. And the best way to do it is to encourage them to talk about it, give them analogies. Many times, and there are not many of them, but there are some peer groups within mm -hmm. some communities where guys who have gone through trauma, PTSD, loss of a loved one, grieving, uh, just problems in the workplace where they can go and talk with guys their age. But, you know, you have to slowly encourage men to talk. Uh, and the the way to do that is gently. You, know, yeah. you just can't, you, it's unrealistic to say, I don't know why you just can't tell me what you heard. Right. This guy's not going to come out that way. No, no. No, I think, uh, you know, as you said, signs, you know, kind of dropping right. a lot of nice neon signs along the way and let them, you know, with, with my exit was uh, seed the suggestion, keep watering it, and suddenly it's their idea. <laughs> well, that, that's a very good observation. What I and many of my colleagues who deal in areas of men's health have noted is that it takes a long time for the guys to come to a place where I'm going to take care of my weight. Right. I'm going to manage my blood pressure. 
I'm going to stop using opiates. I'm going to take better care of my exercise regimen. But once they get to that point, once they make that decision, they follow through pretty darn regularly. So it, it may be pushing a rock uphill. Yeah. It may seem like a Sisyphean task after a little while. But once you get it and the community gets and the family members get a guy to agree, they, they usually follow through pretty well. And going back to what we spoke about earlier, Sarah, the, the easiest thing to do is to try and get to the young boys mm. uh, early on so that they realize they can talk about physical and emotional hurt. Mm. Some of the things that Johnny hears when he's, when he's very, very young from his loving parents, because they never really think about it, is if he falls down and skins his knee, what does he often hear? Come on, get up. Take it yeah. like a man. Shake yeah. it off. Keep going. Not a great message. No. Uh, we do want them to, you know, not let little bumps and bruises freeze them, but we also want to encourage them to address the problem. We hear it a little bit later on mm. when we're engaged in athletics. We're watching an athletic tournament. What do we hear from ultra many of the announcers? What a great athlete. He's playing hurt. He's taking yeah. it for the team. He's pushing through that pain, you know, and yes, you do have to extend yourself. Uh, our son, one of our sons is a Marine and he would always come home saying pain is uh, leaving your body, you know, some silly thing about pain, you know, leaving your body is, is a good thing. But yeah, you have to, you have to encourage them to recognize that pain is a signal to yes. stop, reassess and heal. Women athletes get hurt too, Sarah. Yep. But what we observe is that women athletes have a much greater tendency to take it easy, to stop what they're doing, uh, and then, you know, get healed before they go back into the game again. Sure, some of them play a little too hard and they yeah. end up with the kind of injuries you see in guys that can be really disastrous. Uh, but by and large, women take athletes take much greater heed of injury than the, than the male athletes do. Mm. I'm going to go back to what you said about a scraped knee. Yes. Um, you know, from my philosophy, you know, kind of, ah, oh, you know, let's make it better. You know, let's put some cream on it, polysporin, and clear it up. You, do you feel better now? Yeah, I do. You want to go back out and play? Yeah. You know, what we're showing is it's okay to have some tender loving care. It's okay to feel the pain for the moment. Absolutely. But now you feel better and you can get back out to life. You haven't got stuck in the pain. And I think by ignoring pain, physical, mental, emotional, whatever way you're ignoring pain, it's going to find its way to come knocking at your door or crashing your door down. Right? Ask any 70 year old guy that. Sorry? Ask any 70 year old guy, all yeah. those injuries that they sustained early on that they didn't take quite good yeah. care of uh, are coming back to haunt them later on. We see that in American football players across yes, yes. You know, uh, with the concussions and the, the debilitations that they suffer after their careers, even the great ones, but all too many, the, you know, the second and third tier players play just as hard. Uh, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of the injuries, professional athletes in contact sports, whether it be soccer or American football or, or almost any contact sport, certainly uh, boxing and, and those sorts of things, wrestling, it comes to haunt them later yes. on. Oh, so gosh. Any, that's why I also think that granddads, not just because I am one, 
10 wonderful children, grandchildren. I have a grandma too now, new one. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, join the club. It's wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> you know what? You, just like it's so hard to tell anybody what it's like being a new parent, yeah. it's just as hard telling someone what it's like to be a new grandparent. Yes. Oh, God, it's uh, a different feeling, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it it is. Those noisy, whiny, terrible toys with a thousand pieces for, their, <laughs> for a birthday present. And they're just like, See you later, kids. The drums. Oh, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah. Um, granddads can play a very important role because, yeah. you know, granddads have a, generally speaking, have a special place in the hearts of their grandchildren, mm -hmm. their girl and their boy grandchildren. And they have the wisdom of time to explain it in ways that can be very meaningful. Uh, and I know my old, my aches and pains and this is and that's. You know, my grandchildren seem to pay more attention to grandpa yeah. and the wisdom of grandpa than they do to their dad, who's a very good guy, mm -hmm. you know, but there's a different special it's relationship. It's a different dynamic, isn't grand, it? Right. Yeah, yes. So I think that's important both for grandmas, for their grandsons and their granddaughters, and then grandpas for their uh, grandsons and granddaughters. So and, you know, the, as a most, grandparent, yeah, yeah, I mean, as a grandparent, you can kind of instill you know, why, why are you um, uh, aching or sore or this or that, you know, grandma, granddad? And it's like, well, you know, I didn't pay attention. And had I paid attention, this wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't be dealing this now. So what's the moral of the story? Pay attention. <laughs> right. So if you're hurting, deal with the hurt. However yeah. big or small, deal with the hurt. What is it? Is it emotional? Is it physical? Take the stigma away from it. Exactly. Which is and by example, yeah. they just as it's important for dad to be yeah. said, since we're talking about guys, we'll talk about, we'll focus on that uh, sex and gender. Uh, it's just as important for dads to be good role models in terms of caring for their health, proper nutrition, proper exercise. Uh, when our kids were growing up, I don't think I had one drink of anything, even a beer around the house because it felt so strongly uh, yeah. about all of that. Uh, so I think it's also very important for granddads to feel and to know that they are watched as much as their, yes. by their grandkids as yes. they were by their kids. So being a good role model with that wisdom of a couple of decades on you is a very good, a very good gift you have. Yeah. You know, the other thing is um, the kids learn by example. So, you know, if, uh, if the parents are, you know, going, okay, you know, mom has a headache today, which means mom's needs to shut down. I'd like you to be quiet out of respect. And uh, can I get you anything? I'm an asthmatic. So if I ever started going into asthma, my kids would immediately run for my asthma pump. You know, here you are, mom. Are you okay, mom? Can we get you anything, mom? Because they knew, you know, that if I didn't have it, you know, it could be um, a different story. Yeah. And they knew that right from the word go. But it was always, you know, out of love and concern for me because they knew I had this, but there was never any stigma or embarrassment about it because it's something they grew up with and it was a part of mom, part of who she is. And therefore it was easy for them to accept their own things to a point, to a point. Now my son is 36 going on 37 now. Right. And he's has a restaurant, which is seven days a week. And so he's really been immersed in that. And of course with COVID and everything else at the time that um, 
COVID first lockdown came down, he'd snapped his Achilles and his leg was in a cast. And it's like, now what do I do? <laughs> so he's sitting at the cashier taking orders <laughs> just with his leg up on a chair and continuing to work. He admits now that this last 15, 16 months of trying to hold everything together, keep the business going, keep people employed, keep suppliers going, has played a lot of stress on him. Yes. And, and he realizes it and he says, I'm, I'm having to do things for me now. And I'm like, hallelujah. You know, don't wait for the heart attack to come right. before you go and pay attention to it, right? You know, right. especially as we have heart uh, in our hi hi history here, is pay attention. What do you need to do for you? And I think that permission for men to say, I'm taking time out or I'm doing something for me. Um, this is what I need to do for my own well-beingness is, is something they need to say and that we need to respect because every single one of us needs to do it. Yeah, and guys have a hard time. We see this a little bit, you know, we see this a lot in caregivers, that mm. caregivers of both genders tend to put off their needs, mm. their immediate physical, emotional uh, needs for, uh, for, for the mission of caring for a loved one. Uh, and, that, and when I did some programs and projects on caregiving, uh, which National Caregivers Association, which has great uh, resources for folks who are caregivers, uh, they always enforce on it that you have to take time for yourself as a caregiver. And whenever I see a, a, someone, a, a woman or a guy taking care of an injury or a problem, um, I always encourage them to go get a pedicure, go get a mm -hmm. manicure, mm -hmm. uh, go to the barber shop, uh, go bowling with the guys for a couple of hours. It's okay. Uh, you know, take care of yourself. And that extends out to this whole domain of yeah. one of the problems guys have is asking for help. Yes. You know, so your son was a smart fella. Tell him the old guy said so. Uh, was a smart fella that he recognized he needed help doing the things that he wanted to do around his shop and he put himself in a, in a safe job that had to be done, uh, took care of his injury and put himself in a safe spot and then came to the realization he can't do it all by himself. No. So that that's also very important for, for anybody in the business world, for anybody who's a caregiver and for the guys who are trying to deal with a severe medical condition, they can't just do it by themselves. No. So let your spouse coddle you. Yeah. Let your daughter take care of you. Let your son, let one of your, my goodness, let your brother take care of you. Yeah. Uh, it's okay to get that help when you were physically or emotionally in need. But we don't what, often communicate that to the young guys. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's carried all this burden now for nearly four years, you know, with new business and everything else. Uh, and he's recently had a breakup as well, five, you know, after six years. So that's kind of on top of it. But he said that, um, you know, he, he kind of broke down at work and all of his staff, because of the way he treats them, all came to him, made him cards, made him cookies, take time out, Ty, we're there for you. And he's saying that he had to go from being the strength to saying, I'm vulnerable, I need you now. Right. And that, you know, that, 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 right. that I think brings everyone together a lot more, you know, and, and it shows that he's human too. And, and it shows, you know, who the good staff are. And if, if you feel that you need to be on the top of the pile all the time, carrying, you know, 
the flag uh, and you're getting shot at all the time <laughs> you know we don't want you to be swiss cheese we want you to come down and say it's okay you can conduct it from the bottom of the hill you don't have to conduct it from the top you know i, I want to go back to sports and and yeah. movies that we see um I've been watching Mannix. Do you remember Mannix, the TV show? Um, which I, I love. I love him. He's a wonderful character. But My every father. single... Yes, a fabulous character. And you can see he's a really nice human being. Um, but in every episode, you know, he gets beaten up around the head and knocked out. And I watched that wonderful movie, Concussion, which was an eye-opener. Um, you know, football concussions and uh, how they're only really, you can only really diagnose them after they're dead. Um, and you look at how much beatings that, you know, people take in movies and it's glorified, you know, and you see, I can take this show after show or movie after movie. And it's like, we know that somebody can't take that. I had a show this last week um, with a, um, a young guy, 14 year old at the skating park, another guy came along and smashed his head, cracking his skull. Oh, He'll dear. never be the same again. And they did it for, for social media, to post on social media. Now you see that one blow, just one blow, pow, to the guy's head, cracked it open. And you watch all these movies and you even watch the sports and everything. And you think, oh, okay, that's her. I could be resilient like that. I can get back up. I can do this over again. They can. But no, you know, if they're in sports, they're going to pay for it. And in the movies, it, it doesn't happen like that. No human body can take that. Right. You know, when I was uh, young, uh, a very long time ago, uh, Looney Tunes was very popular and the Three Stooges were very yes. popular. <laughs> and uh, that was all physical comedy for those yeah. who might be younger and don't know physical. The Pratt Falls, you know, falling down, getting cartoons being hit over the head with a sledgehammer, Wiley Coyote yeah. kind of cartoons where there was a lot of physical violence. But, you know, it's easier for, and, and there were studies done on this because a lot of people were very worried that kids wouldn't understand the difference between cartoon violence and real violence. Mm. Uh, and they were very, and they were, we were passively watching it. We weren't participating in it. Now, as you see, they are participating in, uh, violent oriented uh, fantasy video games now so they're yes. actually engaged mentally in the act of committing violence so, yes so there were lots of studies done and the conclusions were yes most normally well-adjusted kids who have good families and families to help them understand the difference between the fantasy and the reality don't really think you can poke someone in the eye and and not hurt them don't right. really think you can hit somebody over the head with a mallet and they'll be fine. Don't really think that you can fall down into a bucket of cement and get up and be just great. You know, they, they can make that dissociation and they know it's make-believe. But I think as we get, as technology get, gets realer and realer and video games become, where you have these lovely yep. goggles that are virtual reality goggles and then they're immersive uh, into it. Uh, I think that the the lines become even more blurrier, become blurrier. I talk about bad English, more blurrier, <laughs> uh, become blurrier. And then, but you also are training your physical senses to engage in- To be on defense. Well, exactly. So the, the ability to discern between mm. true violence and fantasy make-believe cartoon violence is very different in the 21st century. And yeah, I dare yeah. say in 50 years, 
when the youngest kids now are raising their kids uh, and teen as teenagers. It's going to be very, very different then too when you have older than you. So, uh, you know, role models are important. COVID has also done a very, uh, a very difficult thing. You know, there was a very good study done by Blue Cross Blue Shield, one of the Blue Cross Blue Shield associations on the health of millennials. You know, that, that special category we all love. So I've got three of them. <laughs> got three. All right. Uh, and uh, amazingly, most unfortunately for society, only 50% of the millennials said that they had a friend. Mm. Let me say it again. Only 50% of millennials said they had a friend. They were so engrossed in the in the internet world of Twitter, world. And yeah. anti-social media, yeah. uh, and electronic relationships as opposed to real friendships and relationships that they, in their mind, they understood the difference between an electronic acquaintance that they have a thumbs up on, on whatever those platforms may be, uh, and hanging and shaking hands with or giving a hug to uh, having a real nice, close physical relationship with a, with a person. Uh, and of those, of the millennials, only 20% said they had a close friend. Now, I don't know about you, but I suspect it was the case. We probably, I probably wouldn't have made it through grammar school except for my close friend, Paul. And I wouldn't have made it through high school without my close friend, John and Raymond and Seth. And I certainly wouldn't have made it through college uh, all those decades, it seemed, years of stress and anxiety and trying to cram information into my head that at mm -hmm. some point would come knowledge uh, without my friends. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wouldn't know how to avoid bad things and deal with good things. I wouldn't know how to assess bad situations and good situations in reality unless I had a circle of people that I could discern friends for. So. One of the dilemmas in mental health for boys and men, mm. it's also for women, uh, girls and women, is the ability to help them shun, if you will, or put internet interactions on the shelf a little bit mm. uh, and get out there and talk to people. COVID has caused this tremendous yes. amount of isolation. Mm. And I understand that folks in Canada still are having an awful lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, lockdowns and uh, social distancing, uh, and that's continuing on. And that's a sh soon after that, people have to be encouraged yes. to put their training wheels back on mm -hmm. to just as they did when they were young children yeah. and get back into society to slowly incorporate themselves into places where you can go eat, places mm -hmm. of amusement, play theaters, uh, the, the local parks, playgroups for your young sons and daughters. So, we, but it's not going to come all at once because after about a year of doing something, year and a half now of doing something or more, uh, it, it's a firm behavior that needs time to be broken. So uh, one of my great friends described it as get those training wheels of going back into society on. It's also a great opportunity for the guys and the gals who have been isolated and the only communication they can have is this kind of electronic is to get, I can't, I would love to be sitting in the same room with you, yes. Sarah, and feeling the vibe and, yes. and looking at you really with all of your, all your expressions for real. Uh, and, and that's something we have to get people 
especially the young ones now, the, the kids who have lost so much time from yes. true school and yes. socialization. Mm. That's a generation that's at true risk in the next five years when they're starting to develop their cultural perceptions mm. in, in early teen years. Yeah, and they've lost a good 16 months or more here. And, Please, it's, yes. and there's only, you know, so much kind of FaceTime you can do, but, you know, kids need to play with one another and you know get their hands dirty and and be goofy and you know be creative because that's what helps them grow and so you're right and you know if you're still nervous about being out there then do things outside have a picnic with another family right you know um go camping you know be be outside if you're still feeling a little nervous about being inside but you know arrange to meet some other family with kids so those kids can play and you'll also be surprised at how nice it is to actually talk to another adult other than your spouse <laughs> you know, around a campfire or something my son uh, uh, got an rv right and he a very high stress job but he was able to do it because of the nature of his work and he's a very creative uh, son of fellow I must take care for his mom. But he actually, uh, he and his wife and his two children, because of distant school, he said, you know, it's silly to sit in the house. Why don't we just get in a, he bought an RV, a really big one, uh, and then toured all across uh, the, the states with his two children, where they did their lessons online. But they also found some congruence between the lessons that they were learning and where they were. So when they went to St. Louis, they saw the St. Louis Arch. They talked about you know, World's Fairs. They talked about different cultures in the Midwest, and California and Washington, uh, all across. So, you know, they, they, they did something very important, which is they found a solution to a very difficult problem that yeah. overcame the social isolation of COVID for necessary reasons. I, I don't mean to right. appreciate yeah. that. It was very important. It still is important. Uh, but, you know, they, you, people should use the resilience that we have to find solutions to these social isolations we're all suffering from. Yes. And it's not alcohol. No. We've seen an increase in alcohol use across the board, women and men. But we've seen an increase in substance abuse mm. because of COVID. Uh, people who need treatment haven't been coming to treatment for substance abuse as robustly as they need to be. So we're seeing some lapses in control uh, for individuals who have substance abuse disorder, backtracking a little bit. Uh, we have to re-engage them, get them back into the cycle and the behaviors that are uh, saving them. Uh, and then we have to persuade people that, you know, the, the real uh, drug is human interaction, yes. not ethanol or opiates no. yeah. or marijuana. Yeah, a feeling, a sense of community, which is enormous. Correct. Do you have a huge opioid crisis over there because certainly our, our opioid crisis was big anyway but through pandemic it's been even bigger and the amount of deaths have just been climbing in the states mm, we're here in canada actually yeah no in the states we do as well you do you see oh sure and it's led to other concomitant issues such as domestic violence mm -hmm. uh, work uh, poor work habits we have a problem getting people back to work i mean they yes. up and yeah. no one wants to work you know it's so a lot of this is you don't really know what the right thing to do is and the right thing to do in in 2021 may be the right not have been the right thing in yeah. 2020 and vice versa but yeah we have a huge problem with opiate uh, all substance abuse not just opiates mm -hmm. uh, but all substance abuses um and um uh, whatever you feel about marijuana you know that's an abusable recreational 
product, even if it's legal in your locale. So we're, we're seeing a lot of that happening too, leading to some of the, some of the reluctance to get back into the world mm -hmm. uh, or reluctance to get back into the workforce. Right. So it, there's a myriad of problems and that's why I love that training wheel analogy because you just can't stop a behavior yes. that's been in existence for 16, 18 months. Uh, cold turkey just, just doesn't right. play. You know, the other simple thing is everybody's gained a bit of COVID weight. You know, people haven't been going to the gym. They weren't out as much. And, and uh, you know, it's like, oh, but I've gained weight. I don't want to show anybody out there. Or they suddenly go, well, now I can go out. I'm going to go full force. You need the training wheels on that as well, don't you? Because yeah. if you go and suddenly put the foot to the pedal when you have actually been sitting in front of the computer for the last 18 months, and now you think you're going to go back to the gym up to the same level that you were before, no. Your body, it, it, that shocks your body and that can be more deterrent to your body. So the training wheels need to be back on the physical side of things as well. Absolutely. And I'm guilty as charged. I have my own little COVID-19, not quite 19, thank goodness, but I have my own COVID-10. Uh, but, and I agree, you know, we need to all get back in there, reintroduce ourselves to society. I still feel a little bit of um, discomfort and I know a lot about this stuff. I, I yes. do this for a living. So intellectually, I know, but emotionally, it takes a little getting used to to go back into the gym. And, and I'm a little more cautious about making sure equipment is wiped down and making sure that, yes. you know, I'm wearing a mask loosely or, you know, somebody that I'm not too close to the next guy pumping iron or not that I pump iron, but you know, <laughs> little Well, I would have thought you're like a 500 pounder. <laughs> yes, in those fantasy cartoons, perhaps. <laughs> Be, but not here, not in my community. Oh yeah, I'm so, Wonder Woman in my fantasy. <laughs> there you go. So we all we all have to. You're right. I think the training wheel analogy is good there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it also goes for taking care of chronic conditions. Oh gosh. Uh, yes. uh, particularly for the guys who weren't particularly good at managing chronic conditions or going into the medical visits um, uh, as women are. They don't go as often, half as much, uh, really. Uh, we, we have to get back into the swing of taking care of our chronic conditions. Uh, that's, that's a big problem. Uh, also vaccinations. Now, vaccines because COVID vaccines, there's vaccine hesitancy because of COVID. And I have some thoughts on that. How do you find that you have almost 2 billion doses of something given and still doubt that it is about as safe as any medical technology? Right. It's just not, it just doesn't compute. 2 billion doses. That's the most watched kind of medical product in the world by everybody across the globe yep. with data just being as transparent as anything. Uh, so how do you even doubt that this is safe and effective as any technology? Yeah. And you know, know yes, there have been some deaths with it, but there were underlying conditions there. You know, and, you know, and that is a chance that you're going to take on anything. But when you look at the percentages of how many people have been saved because of it, it just completely outweighs it, doesn't it? Right. And for the most part now, the, the recognition of how to treat. So we're, we're talking now about, uh, you know, inflammation the of myocardium, the heart tissue, right. the sac around them, the heart tissue in young men. Uh, we spoke about the problems with these clot formations in mm. young women, but we're recognizing the signs and symptoms now. And then there are, there are thank goodness, there are lots of different types of vaccines. Mm -hmm. So there are ways to differentiate what vaccine may be for best for a certain population. But, you know, we also have all these other vaccines, Sarah, to think about. Yeah. Uh, booster shots for tetanus for guys working in the field around rusty nails and 
busting equipment, uh, booster shots for for uh, lockjaw, perhaps. Uh, you, you might need uh, certainly pneumonia vaccinations upcoming. That's important. Don't forget COVID is a respiratory problem and mm -hmm. pneumonia kills many, many, many older persons and young persons too. Mm -hmm. uh, we need vaccines for the flu season coming up, quite sure. Uh, and then we most likely, I believe, quite likely going to need booster shots for, for COVID for a, for a while, maybe three, 10 years. I don't know until it becomes innocuous. It just doesn't happen overnight. Right. Uh, evolution doesn't go that quickly. So we have to also encourage people to go get revaccinated. And that's going to be a little bit of a push uh, this year because people are on vaccine overload. Yes, exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, let's look at it. Some of the other things that have been out there like polio and all of that, that we had vaccinated. Um, this vaccine has been particularly vicious because it keeps changing its identity and becoming more ferocious. And so, you know, it's we need to kind of be the one step ahead of it. And, um, you know, having the shots isn't going to guarantee that you're not going to get sick, but you're pretty well probably going to guarantee you're not going to die uh, yeah. from the from the whatever variant is out there right now. And it but it's also it's not just a respect for yourself, but it's a respect for your neighbor. And I've got many a friend who's completely opposed to it um, and, you know, each to their own. And I think that's. All we can do is do what we need to do for ourselves and hope that others will come around to understanding what they need to do. But we can't force people, we can't damn people, we can't persecute people because we have free will. We just hope that people will see the common sense and that's all we can do. But, the, you know, another disease that I want to talk about that I know is extremely hard for men to talk about is prostate cancer. And they, you know, they always feel that this is... Um, a big weakness you know women will get cancer breast cancer more and men get prostate cancer but it's like people men don't like to talk about cancer in general and, and especially if it's prostate cancer what is the stigma behind that well nobody nobody male or female likes to talk about cancer it's it's still the big c uh you know some of this is a hold back to when my grandfather had lung cancer he was a contractor and in New York City, and he worked with a lot of plaster and uh, asbestos line things, and you know, yeah. just difficult. Uh, and that was just my, in my generation, you know. Uh, when he contracted lung cancer, all his friends left. No one would visit him. Huh? No one wanted to catch cancer. Uh, right. So yes. you know, there are a lot of misperceptions. I think there's still some of that. So I think guys my age, I don't think anybody, I don't think. Um, really believes that they can catch cancer by coming in contact with someone. But I do think that there is a special place in our psyches about cancer, the big C. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, prostate cancer in men is a very important health matter uh, for black men. Uh, they really need to be screened starting at 45 or 50 for all others being screened somewhere around 55 60 every year is terribly important. And the reason for that, Sarah, I'm glad you brought it up, is that if you catch it early on, mm -hmm. prostate cancer is almost 95%. Curable. 95% totally curable with no side effects, no sexual problems, no urinary retention problems, perfectly curable. If you wait 
the longer you wait, the more you're susceptible to more radical treatments and surgeries, the more you're susceptible you are to ED or urinary uh, bladder control problems. And if you really wait a long time, unfortunately, just like breast cancer or lung cancer, the cancer in the prostate can spread to other tissues, most usually bone tissue. It can also spread to the brain. And there is nothing more agonizing than a bone cancer and very little bit, very few cancers more emotionally difficult to deal with, both as a patient and a, and a, and a loved one, you know, the wives out there, the, the daughters, uh, the granddaughters out there, and a brain cancer. So, you know, yes, women are acculturated to internal exams. Uh, it's something that you are taught is extremely important uh, from very, very early on. You get them once a year, once every few years, depending on age. Uh, and guys just are not until they become uh, in their 50s or 60s when an invasive uh, digital in, uh, exam is very, very distasteful uh, to a majority of guys. Um, believe me, I assure you, the doctors don't like it any more than the guys do, but they do it as part of their job. Uh, so I think you have to just decide this is something important. Now, the very good news here is that diagnosing and staging, what, what stage of prostate cancer you're in, is more technologically advanced now than it has been in the past five years. So just getting a simple blood test, a PSA blood test once a year, it's just it, you take a tube of blood just to check your blood sugar, your blood, your, your blood nitrates, your blood this, that, and the other thing, red cells, white cells, purple cells, uh, you also test your PSA, prostate-specific antigen. If it's over a certain value, then you have a first signal. Also, if you, and the reason you should get it sequentially, is you want to watch to see how it changes. Uh, anything under one, most point zero point eight, zero point oh nine, anything under one is not bad. Uh, but if you start seeing it elevating slowly, and it also dangerous if you see it elevating very quickly, yeah. that's a big danger sign. So that's the first tier screening. That is nothing. You don't even know it's being done most of the time. Then if you do have uh, an elevation, your physician may want to do uh, a digital exam. Let them. It's okay. It's over before you even know it. Right. Uh, and then that you can feel for abnormalities of the gland by doing that digital. The next step would be, and there may be nothing there, but if your PSA is really high, you still want to check it out. If it's kind of low, you engage in watchful waiting. You just right. wait a few years, do it serially. Mm. Um, but then it used to be that we would ask men to have a hunch biopsy of the prostate. A little needle goes into the prostate, takes a little piece of the prostate out. You do the 10 to 12 more or less times in the prostate. And then you examine that tissue microscopically to see if there are cancerous tissues there. You only do that if there is a lump found or if the PSA is at a certain level. And it all depends on you and your age and prior circumstances. Family history, uh, African-American, dark skin, uh, that, those are uh, risk factors. But now we have MRIs and there are certain MRIs that can be done that are very efficient in picking up prostate cancers. So you don't even, you may be even able to 
skip that punch biopsy and then just have yourself monitored uh, electronically. You just, uh, it's slid into a little tube. They put on beautiful headsets and nice uh, things over your eyes and you lie there for 20 minutes, half asleep and, uh, and, then, and then you're out of there. And I, I had a little elevation in a prostate and had a little uh, nodule uh, on exam. Uh, so I went through the, the radiologic exams uh, and uh, nothing's happened uh, in five years. So I do it every two years now uh, and knock on wood, mm-hmm. you know, everything's good. But I know, and I have that peace of mind. Uh, if you don't want to do it for yourself, guys, do it for the women in your lives. Yes. For your sons. Yes. For your grandsons. Mm. 30 seconds or less of moderate discomfort and moderate displeasure probably is setting a lifetime example for the boys in your life that you love. Bear in mind that your wife probably went through nine or 10 months of discomfort. (laughs) And if she could do that for that length of time with the labor, I think you can take a few seconds of discomfort. We have have, uh, five kids, so she went through plenty of discomfort. Yes, yes, uh, (laughs) three times for me. That was enough, thank you. Uh, um, You know, I think that when we look at men uh, and they're either too busy or they're too this or too that, Everything they do in life, in their workforce especially, has to be time management. So why can't we look at things integrating it as health management, as being just as important in your daily activities as as it would be in your time management in in your business, right? right? You have, if you don't pay attention to the health management, then the next thing you know, you're sick. What do you do with your business now? Or is your job going to be held? Or are you covered medically? You know, all of that stress then adds up to it. But if you did the prevention where you paid attention, get tested, um, eat right, exercise right, have a good attitude, learn how to meditate, how to, to de-stress, you've you're got that health management there. And, you know, it's the old stitch in time, saves nine. You know, if you look after your health now, you're not dealing with the the downfall later on and the stress of being sick you know how can i go to work or how can i run my business or you know my how do i provide for my family if i'm sick well before you get there start here you know the stitch in nine saves time that doesn't resonate too much with the guys because they don't sell all that (laughs) right the younger ones they go what is that woman talking about (laughs) so i there was a commercial on in new york for uh a very popular motor oil, uh, and their uh, their pitch was, "Pay me now or pay me later." Right. Your oil change now. It'll take you 20 minutes. We'll have you in and out of there. We'll give you a cup of coffee. We'll let you read a magazine, and no problems. Or you can wait and have your whole motor, and then and cost a million. Same idea. Yes. Pay me now or pay me later. Yeah. You know your other point there, I think, was a was a a valid point. Two generations ago, when most women did not have careers and didn't work uh, and and build careers as much as they do now. There were women, of course, who did in the 50s and 40s, but it was not the norm. But now the norm is you're a busy businesswoman. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the work that you do now encompasses most of your day, getting getting guests, lining up scripts. Solid seven hours, six days a week. Yes. That's right. And and it's a passion. Oh, yeah. 
Apparently, you take care of your health. Uh, so I don't buy the notion any longer in modern day society yeah. that guys are so busy working that they can't find time because women are busy working. Yeah. And they find time. Yeah. Don't ignore it. Again, I'll go back to the, you know, the acculturation and the role that media, uh, big media plays in, in setting up an anti-health cultural uh, pivot point for guys versus versus women. Uh, Nick, I'll challenge you, some of your audience, watch TV for a couple of hours, if you can stand it, watch commercial TV for a couple of hours. And when you see the ads that talk about family care, caring, when you look at the ads that talk about health decision-making or healthy products or medications or depression, anxiety, look at them carefully say, who are they appealing to? Are they appealing to guys? Are they talking to guys about staying healthy and helping healthcare in your family and making good decisions about your healthcare? Or are they appealing to women in those domains? Uh, a study I did recently showed that 70% uh, of advertising is geared towards women. Health, health advertising, health-oriented is geared towards women. So the Madison Avenue folks are very guilty of buying into this notion that healthcare is a woman's response. Right not the responsibility of a guy yeah. and that that folks for anybody from uh, british uh, from uh, canadian broadcasting that may be listening or all your advertisers up there including the pharmaceutical companies take heed the guys need motivation to be healthy well let's let's look at pharmaceutical and the way the trend is now there's a drug for everything don't worry there's a drug for it and it's like, no, you know, not every drug is good for you. And no, it, you don't want the drug to be the answer. If it's the only answer because of, of a particular health issue you have, then okay. But we don't look to, oh, if I get sick, I'll just have an operation, have it cut off or take a drug. No, you want to do the prevention stuff so that you don't get there, you know? And we've, we've been kind of told this, um, we've been fed that, from the pharmaceutical industry that the drugs are the only thing that are the answer. And I'm a person that I will take what I need to take, otherwise I'm into the alternative. And I marry the two together. I have fibromyalgia, so I, there's certain things that I have to do in order to manage my health. And that's the thing. I've known people who have got diagnosis of heart disease or cancer given right up and dead in a week. They didn't die of the disease. They died of the diagnosis. Yes. Uh, well, you bring up several good points here. Uh, the, this pill for every ill concern that most folks have is very real. It's been around for a very long time since what has been termed the golden age of medicines uh, or pharmaceuticals in the mid-50s or so. Uh, but it's an easy solution. As we spoke about before, because particularly for guys coming to the realization that you have to take care of your health and wellness is not just the absence of disease, right. it's being well and vibrant and mentally stable and able to deal with little physical insults uh, mm -hmm. without, you know, Collapsing. really going off to, you know, dramatic, dramatic remedies. Uh, but it's, it's an easy thing to do. And unfortunately, folks like the easy solution. Yeah. Now, I will say that I'm a firm believer in medications. I think the right medication 
with the right person at the right dose for the right length of time is extremely important to the to the, to the longevity that we have now. Uh, stomach ulcers are practically gone. Mm -hmm. uh, hypertension is down much lower than it was. Lipid levels are lower. Cancer, the survival rates for many, many cancers, including prostate cancer and breast cancer uh, are much better. Cancers in children and leukemias. So there are significant advances yes. in medical care, but a lot of that need to go to prescription medications could be eliminated or forestalled by better focus on wellness early on. And of those nine leading causes of more of disease and death in men that I spoke about before, um, much of that is preventable by good lifestyle management yes. early on, or by finally coming to that realization, if I lose 30 pounds, cut out the salt, don't eat so much meat, uh, exercise more regularly, I can bring my blood pressure down uh, naturally. Uh, so, and it may be a little bit of medicine, it may be a little bit of self-management uh, that you do it. Yeah. Uh, so I do think yeah. both, both things are important. Yeah, everything has its place. Is that you yes, don't want one of them to be um, top heavy. Because yeah. if you're just kind of taking all of these pills and still not doing anything for your own well-beingness, you're not even giving the pills the chance to work. You know, I have fibromyalgia and I am in partnership with it. Right. It, it, it has days where it wants attention and I need to give it attention. Other than that, we've got a working agreement. I will put these amount of hours in, then I will rest. Right. And you've got to know, listen to your body, listen to your body, what it needs. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, do I need to get out and go for a walk right now, but get the circulation going? Yes. Or is this a time where, you know, really no, just to sit down and relax and chill out. This is what you need to do right now. Zen out. Listen to your body. Don't listen to everybody else saying, but you should do and you should do it. Why don't you come along and do this? You know, if you are saying no to it because you know your body at that moment can't take that, then that's fine. Don't, you know, listen to it, but don't use it as an excuse. But pay attention to your body. Your body's speaking to you all the time, isn't it? Absolutely. It's like those road signs we were talking yeah. about. Earlier. Yeah. And, I, and guys don't know how to pay attention no. to their body because they've never been instructed. It no. hasn't been something that they are that aware of uh, because of reproductive health, women are much more in tune with their bodies earlier on in their early teens than the guys are when they're just like a blunder, you know, they're just a little bit crazy about everything when their hormones kick in. Women are much more in tune with their body. The other thing you said earlier, Sarah, I wanted to offer an observation about uh, when I was managing patients at, the, at one of the Air Force Base clinics that I had the privilege of working in for a while on a special project, the ones who tended to do better were the ones who got up in the morning, got dressed, made themselves up, did their hair, combed their hair, shaved, looked nice. They had a beard, they trimmed it, they put on lipstick or makeup for the gals and the guys, you know, looked nice. Maybe put on a tie, rarely, but they dressed nice. And they would always come in and complain how they're doing so much, how they're volunteering for this, how they go to bed so tired at night. And these are the ones who lived as active and vibrant and body aware lives in their 60s and mm -hmm. 70s. These were TRICARE for life. The individuals had 30, 20 plus years of uh, meritorious service in the armed forces who had medical care for life. But they 
they had that discipline of taking care of themselves. And the ones who let themselves go would look a little bit ragged around the edges or uh, didn't really do anything, but they, they vegged out at the computer uh, or they vegged out at TV or they weren't volunteering their time or they weren't taking on part-time jobs. This is one of the reasons I do these gigs. I love it. And uh, it keeps me vibrant uh, with great folks like you. Um, but I noticed that the people who take care of their, their day outlook on life yes. and had a purpose to their lives into their 60s and 70s did much better medically than yeah. the ones who said, well, there's no reason to. Right. And the reason may be your daughters or sons. It may be your grandchildren. I had one fellow who was in his 80s, and believe it or not, his biggest complaint is his three girlfriends were making him depressed because <laughs> he didn't know how to manage three girlfriends. So we had a discussion about that. I'm not sure if I gave him the best advice because, quite frankly, I never thought of a gentleman in his 80s having three girlfriends. So I gave the same advice I would give a 20-year-old, mm -hmm. which John Sebastian did at the Drive Out to the Side, that old song from the 60s. So, yeah, but I think keeping an outlook on vibrancy of your life no matter what your problems are, whether it's fibromyalgia, get up every day, yes. you do your job, and you listen to your body. And when, and just as we said earlier, when you need to pull back a little bit, yeah, you pull back a little bit. And when you need to put the pedal to the metal, you do it. So right. that that the same same things that we would give advice to our adolescent children, mm. we should take as older uh, adults. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is, I think a, a, a positive attitude of gratitude is a great way to start any day and live every day. You know, um, we have been so inclined to be whiny about what we don't have and the restrictions and the this and that. And that starts layering up in your psyche and in your body. And instead of going, you know, OK, I, I can't go out right now or now I can go out a little bit nervous about it. But, you know, I'm excited. Change your verbiage, change your dialogue change your approach to something because when you step into a positive attitude of gratitude and exploration your body will be there for you right don't you know don't expect it to go running a marathon straight away <laughs> you know it's like start off with a nice gentle walk right the training yeah. wheels again right but the it, whole point was, is attitude right that i felt bad that because i wasn't i didn't feel angry or guilty about staying home because of the isolation that i needed to engage in for, for COVID, I couldn't see the grandkids. So they drove by on, the, on their truck and sat in the back of their truck and we sat in their garage and talked to our grandkids and we wore masks and they wore masks and we were all fine. So I found other ways to do it. So I felt mm -hmm. badly that I didn't feel bad about all the isolation that was imposed right. on me. I just found other things to do, as you say, Sarah, a positive attitude yes. to get you through a lot. And I always reflect on people in World War II and mm -hmm. World War I, the bombardments of Britain, the terrible sacrifices that people had to make when their family were isolated from them for six months or a year and in tremendous physical danger yes. for quite long periods of time. They said, my gosh, what am I complaining about? Right. I got to sit here in the house yes. and watch 47 channels of HBO <laughs> uh, or be on the internet and play with yeah. Microsoft the airplane or <laughs> do interviews on a topic I'm passionate about. Right. So I'm a lucky guy. So we all have to find that yes. way to overcome these adversities and be resilient. Something millennials, again, I fear, are not being taught for 
various reasons, uh, they're not being taught how to deal with different opinions. They're not being taught how to deal with physical and emotional adversity. Uh, they're being taught to isolate, isolate, mm. and pull back and reject. I think there's a, a twofold on the millennials because I've interviewed a lot of millennials, of course, because of my children, I know a lot of them and they're very proactive. You know, um, my, my daughter and her husband are vegan. Uh, they built a, 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 a you know, eco-friendly house and they're very active in, in that world. And, uh, you know, they're very much for about animal rights and human rights. Um, you know, my son with his restaurant, it's all about community. And there are people that are very gregarious and interactive and stand for something and of course that's their tribe around them as well um, but I do know which of the millennials you talk about because they're perpetually on their phone and everything is you know they go out for dinner and they're texting each other you know hello lift the chin up oh eyeball to eyeball now open your mouth and let words come out <laughs> you know, because they've forgotten how to speak they've forgotten how to look at each other you see this even with the younger generation that they're walking down the street just on their phones and the amount of people that walk into traffic walk into polls and of course the uh, text and driving is overtaken uh, drinking and driving in accidents and it's like this is a wonderful tool just like the one we're using right now it's a tool don't right. make it an obsession because right. anytime you become obsessed over anything that is the the drilling and I'm sure the, the chemistry in the body needs more and more and more of it. And the more you go down that rabbit hole and the worse it is for you. So moderation is a great word that we should definitely live by. Yes, I'm, I'm also, the other day I was out visiting someone and I was in a hurry to get from my car into where I was going. And I left my cell phone in my car and I was, I had to be there at a certain time. And when I got there, I said, oh man, I left my phone in my car. And I, and I just started turning around to go get it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to only be here maybe an hour, hour and a half. I'm not going to bring my phone with me. I'm going to let it sit in the car. And I said, you know what? Before 1990-something, yes, I didn't yes. have a phone in my pocket to, right. to moment of the day. Or a computer. I did, <laughs> I did, right. Well, these phones are computers. Just, yeah. even, even these lovely watches, you know, they're computers. Yeah. Um, so I, I left it in the car. And I mentioned this to my, my best friend. I was doing this and, and I said, well, let's see how long it takes you to start shaking. So, <laughs> it was a running joke for the hour and change that I was there to see if I was in the delirium trends from leaving my phone. But, you know, it is so easy. Yes. Because this technology is so wonderful. Yeah. A lot of our world focuses around the mobility mm. and the rapid responses that almost have become the expectation in the 21st century that it's so easy to forget that you can slow down that pace. Yes. Uh, people, I, I know another couple, an older couple who did as my son did, and they took an RV and they're crisscrossing the country to enjoy what they can uh, and get out. But there are places where they don't have the cell service uh, and uh, they apologize profusely. I'm going into an area without cell service. I hope you don't mind. I'm not going to be able to contact you for a while. If you call me, I'll call you. But it's okay. Yes. When I was a young man, a business executive, young guy, there were days before yes. I would pick up a phone call. Exactly. You know? you exactly. Know? And, uh, the parents just hope you came okay. home. <laughs> but now we have this expectation of instantaneous yeah. communications 
and you know, if you have, if if you've caught up in that, um, you really should reassess how yeah. these tools that we're supposed to have mastered by being able to type with two thumbs, you know, and all that, now become tools that master us. Yes. Uh, it's a good time to break away a little bit. Uh, you know, this this has nothing to do with managing cancers or things like that, but it do has it does have a lot to do with mindfulness and perspective and resiliency and self-control, just as we need to have self-control over our nutrition and our foods and our exercise, we have to have self-control over the use of technology. Otherwise we live to eat instead of eat to live and yeah. we are slave to technology instead of technology being our, our slave. Yeah. The point is, that our health is our choice and there is so many different ways we can manage our health there is not one way that's the only way that you know seek out your way is it meditation is it bike riding is it jogging is it the gym is it playing racquetball with a friend you know is it playing golf you know tennis whatever what is it that's your stress relief and also you're recentering and that's good exercise for you you know find out what it is if you can do it with a friend great or maybe it's that's your time for yourself in the day which is very very important but carve out that time as a priority a priority because you can't be the best you can be for you or your family or your business if you are on the decline because you are carrying that stress you're carrying that burden and we've got to remember i mean as far as I'm concerned, please correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that stress is the number one killer because it's what brings about all the diseases. It certainly is a very, very important factor. I wouldn't say that it's the number one killer, but when you don't manage your medical conditions, it always brings stress. Yes. Stress is almost always a component to serious disease, mm -hmm. uh, whether or, or and, it's always a component to a out of kilter lifestyle. One of my sons is a physician uh, and he is dismayed by the request for antidepressants, mm. and anxiolytics, anti-anxiety medicines. And he, he was talking with his old dad uh, one day and he said, you know, I keep telling these people that I can prescribe all the medicines that they want and I, I won't do it because you know, there's a limit, but I keep telling them none of this stuff is gonna make a difference mm -hmm. really long-term unless you make a difference yes really long-term these are just supposed to help you get off of the hump one of my first lectures in pharmacology way back when i had brown wavy hair was <laughs> met drugs don't do anything except help your body do what it needs to do so whether these are modern pharmaceuticals essential oils uh naturopathic cures uh, teas are marvelous, I believe. Mm -hmm. They have an important place as antioxidants and things to help relax you. Uh, and so I think that there are a lot of other things besides you know, the classic drug for blood pressure, hydrochlorothiazide yeah. or you know, glucotrol or Viagra that can be useful to, to do it. So you're right. It's, it's a matter of balance using all the things that we have at our disposal uh, to help us get to help and early on be well yeah before we go i just want to hit type 2 diabetes because that sure. seems to be something that 
has exponentially grown. And again, I, I believe that it can be controlled a great deal by diet and exercise. Um, and, but it seems that once people start getting on that insulin, it's really hard for them to come off it. Um, what would you say about type 2 diabetes when somebody's first diagnosed with it? Type 2 diabetes means that your body isn't producing enough insulin to meet the dietary requirements, the carbohydrate metab metabolic requirements of your body. Uh, so your pancreas, which is the organ that produces the insulin, is either sluggish or in decline or has some other uh, anatomical problems or maybe physiologic problems because of prior conditions or insults, but it's just not, you're just not making enough insulin or the insulin you're making isn't of sufficient quality to actually help the cells take sugar in and use it for metabolic work. So the sugar levels go up and up and up and it causes all sorts of damage. The best analogy that I use is if you have plain water and you put a piece of metal in plain water, it will rust really slowly over a very long period of time. If you put a piece of metal in salty water, salt being the sugar in our body that isn't metabolized properly because we have a slow insulin level, it corrodes very quickly, just literally in a few months. So, you know, that's, that's kind of part of the analogy of why it's important to control your sugar. Given that your body can produce a certain amount of insulin in type two diabetes, especially adult onset in our later years, uh -huh. when we tend to have more sluggish metabolism, that you might need to do, you can do one or two things, almost like losing, losing weight, you know, the calories in, if it don't equal the calories out, you're gonna gain weight. So the sugar in, if you're not metabolizing sugar in properly, you're gonna end up accumulating sugar in your body and your tissues in your liver and it's gonna to lead to all sorts of problems. So you can manage it with diet because you're taking in fewer carbohydrates. You can manage it with exercise because you're burning off what you're doing more quickly. Mm. But generally speaking, people find it very hard to do that alone. So right. I'm a strong proponent of using medicines early on in your diabetes along with diet and exercise. So it's what you had mentioned earlier, Sarah, a pill for every well, I'm one and done. I take a tablet, everything. I can eat, I can eat two uh, ice cream cones a day and have six boxes of chocolate and have a big old steak. Uh, and I don't even have to walk around a little bit. You're not going to get rid of your diabetes no. that way. No. You're just going to make it worse. So you have to address it early on with either diet and exercise. Most people will have a difficult time doing that over their lifetime, particularly if they have other arthritic conditions. Mm -hmm or injuries that inhibit their ability to increase in exercise. And for various reasons, they simply can't control the diet, but taking their medications are, uh, you know, consistently is important. We do have this whole new range of medicines. The older medications sort of like cattle prodded our pancreas to produce more insulin, uh, that they cattle prodded our cells to take up the insulin a little bit more efficiently and utilize it a little bit better. But now we have a whole new range of medicines that you inject once a week or once once every few days that can help the body respond much better. So those cells in the pancreas that produce insulin, they respond much better to uh, challenges of carbohydrate. So these GLP type products, these new anti-diabetes products for type two diabetes 
are very, very efficient. Uh, but regardless, you still have to control your weight. Yes. You still have to control your diet. You still have to have a positive attitude. And you still have to take your medicine every day. Right. Doing those things, you may not ever need to go on it. Mm-hmm. But if you do, you do. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's being proactive in your own health, in which is really, really important. You know, um, as we get older, you know, things are going to happen. Um, you know, we see some people and they like a freak of nature. I, I live with an almost 88-year-old who's just amazing, apart from arthritic hands, a little bit of high blood pressure. She can run down, she ran down the street the other day, we're chasing after a runaway dog. You know, I mean, she's just got amazing about her strength. But the memory, short-term memory is going, there's always going to be something. And I think one of the things we've got to look at is stop looking at these things as it's out to get you. Or that if you do get cancer, if you do get this, you do get that, you are not your disease. It's just something that is here for your challenge right now. How are you going to face that challenge? Because you are going to have to face it. Burying your head in the sand, looking the other way, isn't going to make it go away. So if you face it with a positive attitude, okay, come on, cancer. Let's see if I can beat you. Uh, What do I need to do? And first and foremost is that attitude. Because you are not your disease. You just have it. And you can beat it with the right attitude, the right medicine, and the right care. But you've got to be proactive, right? And the guys have to go get that care early on. Yes. That's another component, Sarah. You know, waiting too long. Yeah. You know, it's like that motor oil commercial, pay me now or pay me later. So not only do you have to be proactive and let's go get it, but you have to make that important decision early on when you can make a difference in your personal health. When the cancer hasn't totally overcome your body or when the diabetes hasn't totally destroyed your kidneys, the nerve endings on the bottom of your feet to the point where you can't walk, where you step on a toy and it embeds itself in your feet and you can't feel it causing an infection that requires an amputation. There are such cases uh, where, you know, all these terrible things happen to you because you just didn't take charge of it. Right. And if we take charge of them in the beginning, we have a fighting chance, right? And that's the thing. Nothing is guaranteed, but you certainly have a better chance at A, beating it or learning to live with it, depending what it is, but taking charge of your own body. And that does mean mind, heart, body, and soul. You've got to take, you've got to treat yourself as a whole being and take care of yourself on every level. And, you know, a lot of people, oh, that's such hard work. Well, A, a little bit of work now that becomes a set routine that's automatic in your life as opposed to later on the whole engine overhaul right, right? so we yeah we got to get that into the younger children yeah. i'm a firm believer just as smoking cessation it was a very directed campaign here in the states and probably in canada as well that that did an awful lot of education motivation uh and tough talk to young folks about smoking cessation and smoking rates are not quite what they were. Of course, we have this other thing with vaping, that's all about that. Oh God, vaping, oof. But <laughs> that's another topic people. altogether and that should be deleted. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we don't want people you know, burning leaves and inhaling the stuff that leaves are burning. Yeah. Even just think about it at its base level, it's kind of nutty. But, you know, but the point is that 
the anti-smoking campaigns were effective, were most effective when they were done in schools yeah. early on and they were immersion courses and the kids saw firsthand the danger that it caused later on. Right. That was very important. And I think that's what we have to do with a lot of health topics, yeah. particularly this thing, this notion in guys, which is you're in charge of your own health. It's yeah. not your mom's responsibility. Right. And you know that the whole thing is, you want to be macho? Look after your health. Right. right? Health is part of the modern masculinity. It is. Absolutely. You look at people with the six abs, they're all very well. But when you look at somebody in their 50s and their 60s, and they're still active, and they're still getting out there and enjoying life, and they still got an exuberance for life that they can physically keep up with, then, you know, that is the new sexy. I'm sorry. It is. We want to know that you're going to be around a long time and not expire because you didn't bother to take care of yourself. Right. You can have it both. You can have a six pack and still have diabetes, hypertension, yes. other problems. Yes. But you can still have a six pack and be very healthy, have a healthy attitude towards your emotional wellness, uh, as well as your long term physical wellness and your interrelationships with people, which is one of the keys to to wellness. Yes. You know, not being sick yes. or taking care of yourself is I'm doing it because that guy, that gal loves me so much and it's important to them. So I got to make it important to me. Yes. Yes. Whatever gets you there. Right. And, uh, you know, understand that anything that is new to you, you're going to have to try a few things before you find that. Mm, I really enjoy doing that. I get a lot out of that physically, emotionally, mentally. I get a lot out of that. I'm going to continue to do that. That's going to be my routine. But you may try a few things first before you find that niche that you know you can put in, that you feel good at, and then it just becomes second nature, something you can't do without any day. But be willing to try those different mediums, you know, in the diet, in the exercise, in the meditation, you know, every single day, try something until you find what it is that really works for you. Don't give up over the first thing. Because that's one you know, of the roles dads can play with their sons because you can you can find those things with good company. Yeah. Or you can find those things with bad company that you think are going to give you fulfillment, wellness, and happiness, or you can find them with good company. So moms and dads, very important to dads, have to model good company. You know, the yeah. people that eat, the the approaches they take, the things that they do, they have to model that for their sons and daughters uh, so that they understand what is appropriate. And the kids will rebel. Yep. Starting 13. Yep. It's not spinning around. But once you, that's it. <laughs> once you establish that from year two on to year 10, when they're at their most impressionable, mm. uh, just as they're most easily turned, I taught a second language during those earlier years. They're most easily taught their lifelong foundational yeah. habits. Yeah. And it's not just telling you, Johnny, eat your carrots while you're sitting there chowing down on butter laden biscuits and yeah. butter on your corn. You know, you've got to model that yeah. early yeah. on. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, as far as the, you know, the, um, the virtual visor thing is concerned, you know, I know that my son and my son-in-law, you know, because of lockdown or not being able to go to gyms, they play games together 
And so they're getting a great yep. workout. They're playing golf or they're doing this or they're doing that virtually and they sweat. They really have a good workout. And if this is what you do have to do right now, then okay, that's fine. Whatever gets you active. But we're also saying don't forget to be interactive with other people because that's part of your mental well-being. Right. And don't and once you can get back outside, turn it off. Yes. Put those training wheels on. Mm -hmm. Go play a round of golf go outside. Go play a round of tennis outside. Go play bowling at a, at a lane and be, you know, every other lane or yeah. eventually in two years next year, most likely it'll be the way it was in 2019 uh, or early 2019. So I, think I actually hope it's better. I hope that we've had a lot of life lessons during this time period. And I hope one of the things is that we are kinder to ourselves and to everyone else. That would be lovely. It I would be. hope so too, Sarah. Can you sign a prescription for kindness? <laughs> <laughs> That's the easiest prescription in the world to give anyone. Yeah, but will they take it though? That's the question. <laughs> if you are kind to people, they will be kind in turn. Exactly. I've that over my many decades. Yeah. Now you've got so much information here, like if people go to selfdiscoverymedia.com and put in your name, which is Dr. Salvatore J. Giorgiani. Um, and if you look at all the links that he shared here with you on men's health on the American Public Health Association and Men Health Month and Center of Disease, there's a lot of information for you here. So listen to the show, go back and look here at, look, you know, at, at the whole COVID thing and everything else because there's so much but they can also go to your website love which is www.menshealthnetwork.org uh, it's a not-for-profit organization been around 27 years and our mission is to help men and boys where to get better health and wellness where they live work play and pray and help them support their families health and wellness as well so exactly. And that's on the Facebook as well, and Instagram and all of those as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, yeah. TikTok, places I don't even know. <laughs> right. There's always something coming up. The whole thing is the answers are there, right? The answers are there. Uh, you know, because the signs keep telling you, you know, it's a tap on the shoulder. It's a little nudge, nudge, wink, wink. What you don't want is the cosmic two by four coming. You want to pay attention to the signs. You know, I've just I've got that ache or I'm just not feeling as productive or I'm feeling less of that. Go and do something about it, right? Go and seek out what is it? What can you do about it? How can you empower your own health? Do not sit back and dismiss it because I guarantee you the Cosmic 2 by 4 will come along and flatten you and then you've got to completely rebuild yourself from scratch again. That's much harder than prevention. So get into the prevention. Be an example to your friends, to your family, to your children, but be an example to your community, right? Do you want to be a hero? Step up and show people how to be healthy, how to have a really good equilibrium in their well-beingness. That's the heroes that we need today, right? We need lots of them. Yes, we do. And you're a great example of that leading the way. So thank you so much for your dedication. Um, most certainly towards men's health. I know it must be, on some occasions, feels like an uphill climb, hard to do, uh, you know, get through the stubbornity. But, you know, when I'm sure that that feeling when you see someone actually decide to take, 
you know, be responsible for their own health and you see them step into wellness must be an, a, a really exuberant feeling. Yes, and I always thank folks, folks like you, because it saves one guy, yes. a man, from having a terrible existence or dying five years early and leaving a widow or sons before they turn of age. Yes. Uh, it's all worth the time and preparing and talking. So right. thanks very much for you doing this program. My pleasure. And you know, folks, I, I'm a daughter that lost her father when he was 45. I was 11. Um, my brother had a heart attack at 60 because he was looking after my bedbound uh, mother. He changed his lifestyle. He went completely vegan and uh, his whole exercise regime and, and his entire lifestyle changed um, and he's healthy, 72 and healthy now. Um, but the point is, is I don't want anyone out there to lose their fathers young. You know, I don't I want them to be able to dance with them on their wedding day, you know, bounce the grandkids on their lap. You want your parents around. So if you see your dad or your brother or your uncle or even your grandpa not paying attention to their health, step up, say something and just say, I love you to death. I want you around. Will you please go and do this for me? And also for their sons, we're unfortunately yep. seeing more and more instances of young, our children, parents having children die of avoidable causes, yes. whether it's violence or drugs or accidents or lack of care or lack of being properly vaccinated. So, you know, it's very, very sad to lose a parent, but it's very, very sad to lose a child because you're role modeling in the wrong way. Yeah. Or maybe a nephew, or yes. maybe a grandson or granddaughter. Yeah. So, you know, that it works both ways, both generations. And again, I've done far too many interviews of a mum sharing the loss of a child or a dad, you know, due to suicide, depression, um, some sort of violence or, or, or disease um, that hit them very, very young. And it's um, it's really hard to, to hear it. But, you know, their, their crusade of carrying on is just exemplary. Um, but, yeah, instill it in them as children right from the word go, right? Right from the word go. Show exactly. them that their health is their choice. It's their responsibility and show them how they can maintain that health by being the example for them. You know, and there's that wonderful phrase, let's do this together. It makes a big difference, doesn't it? Indeed. Thank you so much for sharing here today. My pleasure. I'd be happy to come back anytime that I can be of help to you. I would love to have you back again. Love to have you back again. Most certainly. There's always more to talk about with health. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge health advocate on all level, whatever works for you. But I also believe that there is never any just one way. There's a combination of ways and it's how to put them together. Right. So maybe right. that's another topic we could do, how we can merge you know, the, the health sectors together so that they can be full body serving. So I'd love to have you back on that, right? Anytime that's convenient for you. Excellent, wonderful. Thank you so much. And folks, you know, you know you love your men, your sons, your fathers, your uncles, your brothers, your grandpas, your best friend. You love them. Help them understand that that need to look after themselves is you're being selfish. You want them around and make them help them to understand that they need to do this not only for themselves but for their loved ones so until next time folks bye for now we hope that you enjoyed the show you will hear many many shows here on selfdiscoverymedia.com we have new shows for you out every week 
just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.